Now, here in church, you'll often hear me say to our boys and girls, the church is not the building. The church is made up of people who love Jesus. And that's a great truth. It's a truth that not only our boys and girls need to be reminded of, it's a truth that every single one of us needs to hear from Scripture all the time. The church is not the building. This place that we meet in, as much as we love this place, this is not the church. You here today who love and follow and trust in Jesus, you are the church. But those people of God, they need somewhere to meet. Those people of God need resources to get things done. And that's where the church committee fits into the life of the church. It is a body that helps us to do these things, to look after these resources, to develop facilities that are fit for purpose, that enable us to worship God and to share the good news of Jesus with others. And I'm sure you'd agree with me today that down through the years, we have been well served by our committees here in Connor. We look around today, we look across to our suite of halls and think about all of the things that we're able to do to share with people the good news of Jesus. And we're thankful for the work of our committees, particularly the work of this last committee, which has had a spell in office far, far longer than what a committee should. But there are all kinds of reasons for that, COVID and everything else. And we appreciate what you who have served on the committee have done. But sometimes we can fall into a way of thinking where we look at the Kirk session, that is the elders, and then we look at the committee and our breakdown is something like this. The, the Kirk session, well, they are the spiritual men and they are the, the people who are looking after all the spiritual things. And then away over here, we have the, the committee and the committee are the practical people. They're looking after the practical things. And if we do that breakdown as simply and as crudely as that, it does a great disservice to our committee people, to those who have given of their time and their talents to serve the Lord in this way. It really does undervalue their role. So thankfully today, we have God's Word to keep us right. We have the Scriptures to guide us as we think about the committee that we are about to elect to help us in the next chapter of our story and our life here in Connor Presbyterian Church. So today, do not doze off. Sit up and listen, because some of you will be asked to serve on the committee, and indeed, you might get a surprise when I knock on your door, or you get a, a message from me on WhatsApp saying, I need to speak to you about the committee, and you'll think, what? I've been elected onto the committee, and you need to know what the Bible expects of you. And many of you here today, as I look around, will be choosing that committee. And most of us here sitting in this church this afternoon have been impacted in some way by the work 
and the witness of our congregational committee, and we are thankful to them. But here's the bottom line this afternoon. All of us, all of us without exception, and it doesn't matter what the passage is in Scripture, what the theme or the big idea is that we're thinking about, all of us can be spoken to and challenged by God's Word as His Holy Spirit works in our hearts and in our lives. And we pray that that would happen here today. So, with that in mind, let's think about our church committee. Where does this idea come from? Who should serve on a committee? Let's turn to God's Word for some answers this afternoon. And the first question we're going to answer is, where did the church committee come from? Where do we get this idea? And in fact, the title church committee, and you'll not be surprised to hear this, it doesn't actually appear anywhere in Scripture. If you're reading through the New Testament looking specifically for mention of a congregational committee, you're not going to find it there. But this is a role that is based on a biblical office. So, this is a position of leadership that was established in the church that we read about in the New Testament. And so, for us today, the principles that underpin the existence of our congregational committee can be traced all the way back to the apostolic church, to that early church that we read about in the book of Acts. And let's just look for a moment at the development of that office, how this all emerged. And if you turn with me in the book of Acts to Acts chapter 6, and we're actually going to read together verses 1 to 4, there you'll see that this arose to meet a specific need. We read there in Acts 6 verse 1 that in those days, this is early in the life of the, the church of Jesus Christ, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So, the twelve, that is the twelve apostles of Jesus, gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. So, these deacons were to have a very specific role, and they were to enable the apostles to get on with the big job that the apostles had been given, that is to proclaim God's Word. And that's a really good principle for us to follow. And yet, think about life in this congregation, and I believe this is a challenge to us because we call a minister to this place to preach and to teach and to pastor the people, and then we appoint him as the, the chairman of the committee. We make elders ex officio members of the committee, and we simply add to their burden. They're not freed up to do the functions that are their first calling as elders. And maybe we need to look at that together, honestly, in the light of God's Word. 
But that's how the office of deacon first developed in the church. And what we get to see as we continue to read through the New Testament is that this office of deacons seemed to expand in terms of what deacons were called to do. We know that this role in the early church is not exactly the same as a church committee role, but it is the underlying principle for our church committee. In fact, in the code of our church, we make reference to deacons who occupy this role. And when you think about it, if a deacon is a biblical office, it suddenly elevates the importance of the church committee. We need to take seriously what the committee is all about. If we're called to serve on it, we need to think hard about whether we do that or not. Because we see that this is part of God's plan to glorify Himself through the work and the witness of His Son's church. And I wonder, does that transform the way in which you think about the committee today when you understand that actually this is a spiritual task that has a biblical origin? So, who then should serve on the committee? And there's one thing that I want to tackle right at the start. I don't want this to be the big thing and the only thing that we get caught up in and think about today. But when we read this passage here in 1 Timothy 3, potentially some people could be concerned or confused as they listen to those words. Because you'll see here in this particular passage that as Paul talks about deacons, he talks about men. And also in, in the same part, or in the same way, in the earlier part of this chapter, in the first part of the passage, when he talks about the elders, he talks about men. And we need to think about that for a moment. And I want to try and explain this as briefly and as simply as possible. It should not be an issue that distracts us, but it is an important one to clarify. So that when we read this chapter of Scripture, or we read any passage of Scripture, we always have to do that in the context of all that Scripture tells us. That's a good principle to apply when we open up our Bibles and we read any verse or any passage. And here's the bottom line today, and here is the distinction in the two parts of this chapter. First of all, in every single passage that we read in Scripture about elders, it always talks about them being men. In every single passage where elders are referred to, it always talks about them being men. But not every passage in Scripture which talks about this office talks about it being a role solely for men. In the Bible, there is also mention of deaconesses. So, for example, in Romans chapter 16, verse 1, Paul speaks highly of Phoebe, who he describes as a deaconess. So, whereas the role of the elder is 
very clearly defined in Scripture. The role of deacons and deaconesses varied and probably expanded as time went on. And so that's why if I was preaching today at the beginning of an election of elders, I would state very clearly what I see in Scripture that elders are to be men. But in the light of all that we read about this particular role in Scripture, we therefore are glad to have women serving on our committee. And indeed we do here in Connor. So what we need to think about today are the spiritual qualifications and the commitment of people who we are considering serving on our committee. And Scripture tells us that those serving on committee are to be people with the right qualities. Let's briefly think about 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I want you to see one thing that Paul talks about here. While the roles are very different, as he talks about elders, and then in this passage, as he talks about deacons, actually the requirements and the standards are remarkably similar. He says in verse 8, after speaking about what an elder should be like, he says in verse 8, deacons likewise, there is a link. So we need to get away from this idea that elders, they're the spiritual people, and the committee, that's not really spiritual at all. And what we see so clearly is that certainly these people are to share the same faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a challenge that is for us as we approach this election, that we would choose the right people, and that if we serve on committee, we would serve on committee as the right kind of people. So what does Paul say here? Well, first of all, a committee member should be a person of good character. Look at verse 8, deacons likewise are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. There's got to be sincerity, sobriety, integrity. They need to be highly regarded by those on the outside. They need to be a good witness for Christ. And he continues in verse 12, a deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Now, that doesn't mean that a person serving on committee must be married. But if they are, and if they have a family, they must be committed and wise in those relationships. Because aptitude for church leadership will be proven by their ability in their family life, their stewardship, and their leadership within their home. And all of these are outward signs that someone is a suitable candidate. And it gives us a lot to think about here in church today as we begin to pray about who we will vote for. What does the life that they are leading tell us about them? But it's not enough for a committee member to be a good person. There are many good people about, but in fact, they would be completely unsuitable to serve on our committee. Because a committee person 
should then be someone with a real faith in Jesus Christ. Paul puts it like this in verse 9, they must hold, they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. So, it's such a clear indication that deacons are to be people who have faith in Jesus. And so, for us, there is the direct translation that committee members should be people who are Christians. That is the bottom line. And if you happened to be chosen for this role and you knew that your heart was not right with God, you need to reflect on that so much. But not only Christians, those who are deeply committed so that Paul says they need to keep hold of the deep truths. They should be people who are rooted in Christ, who want to learn more about Christ. The committee is not a place for spiritual lightweights. And they're to do this, as Paul says, with a clear conscience. It should be a person who is saved, who's been cleansed and forgiven by Jesus, and then seeks to become more and more like him. Paul says in verse 10, they must first be tested. And it suggests that there is a need for a real, mature, deep faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, today only you and God know what your heart is like. And is this a description of you? It should be not so that you can get onto church committee, but so that you're right with God, you're in the right place with Him. And there's such an important biblical principle to keep in mind, as today we state that committee members need to be people with real faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What we get to see all the way through the Bible is that commitment to Christ always leads to commitment to His church. In fact, the two belong together. They go hand in hand. It's impossible to love Jesus, but then not love His bride, the church. And that commitment is expressed most clearly in faithful attendance at worship, if you're fit to do so. And that just makes sense doesn't it? I mean, even at a logical level, that makes sense. How can someone be knowledgeable and eligible to make key decisions about the life of a congregation if they don't actually fully participate in the life of that congregation? That's a no-brainer. And so, before you cast your vote, don't just look at a piece of paper. Look around you. Look around you today. Look around you each week. Who's here? Who's involved? Who's doing stuff in Connor? Who, who is doing things for the kingdom? And it seems to me that that's a pretty good test to apply before anyone gets your vote, no matter who they are, what their background is, what their years of service have been. And so, this gives us so much to think about today, and I hope that none of us are left in any way confused. If you are 
a committee member, if you have served on our committee before, or if you're eligible to be voted for, I hope that this sermon doesn't leave you feeling so inadequate that you want to run a mile. Please don't let it do that. Yes, this is challenging teaching. We ask ourselves, who of us is up to this task? So that it forces us to learn again about and to lean upon the grace of God. Sermons like this end with God's grace. They bring us back, each and every one of us, back to God's grace in Christ. And as we seek to find new committee members for this place, we are not looking for perfect people. We'll have some search to find them. But we're looking for those who are open to God's leading in their lives, who are committed to Him. And we trust that God will grant us the wisdom to pick the people of His choice. We trust that God will help them to be useful in His service. And we trust that all of this will be for His glory alone. Amen. And so we feel today